0: past first point guard and trailblazers reporter mike Richmond. you're listening to another episode of locked on blazers for the locked on podcast network available wherever you get podcasts and also on youtube thanks for making the show your first listen it's free on all platforms five days a week coming at you monday through friday every single weekday so make it your first listen tell your friends to do the same it's locked on blazers your team every day bummer let's just do it ah <sighs> The patented sigh after a bummer game. We're going to talk about this one today. The Blazers go into Golden State, build a big old lead, and then get walloped in the second half. Absolutely walloped after halftime. 75-40 to in the second half. Yikes! They scored 41 points in the first quarter and 40 after halftime. We're going to talk about this game specifically what went wrong, and then we're going to have a little bit of fun to close the show. Uh, talk a little bit about the value of changing scenery and look ahead to uh, what should be the first ever meeting between Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum on the court on Wednesday when the New Orleans Pelicans are in Portland to face your Trail Blazers. But first, let's do what we do fastest recap in the West Blazers. Lose 123-105. They did not score 115 points, so they were not eligible to win the game. But they were hot early, y'all. <laughs> this was fun. The ball was moving. They were scoring. They were making shots. Dame had 15 in the first quarter to fuel a 41-point outburst in the opening frame. The Blazers led 41-27 after one and they didn't go away, expanding their lead in the second quarter to take a 65-48 lead into the break. They didn't play as well in that second quarter, but... The Warriors couldn't score. Uh, Golden State was getting what they wanted in the paint, but could not make jumpers. Klay Thompson, one of eleven at halftime. Jeremy Grant had ten in the second quarter, and 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 the Blazers had while they were while they weren't perfect, they were struggling a little bit. The offense was like starting to show cracks. They were still scoring. They were still they were still finding finding points. They were, um, you know there were some tough turnovers. Golden State was was kind of throwing the ball all around the 11 first half turnovers. And I think some of it was good Blazers defense, good engaged Blazers defense, and some of it was just uh, Golden State was missing shots and playing a little bit sloppy. But the second half, you knew the Warriors were going to make a run. They're one of the best home court teams in the league. Um, even without Steph Curry, who wasn't available in this game, without Andrew Wiggins, who wasn't available in this game, you knew with Jordan Poole, who's killed the Blazers all year, Dante DiVincenzo, who's been good against the Blazers all year, and Clay Thompson, who's been pretty darn good the last, uh, last week or so, you knew they were going to find a rhythm. But when you were up 17 at halftime, all you got to do is not lose the second half by 18. That's all you got to do, not lose the second half by 18. Here's the problem. The Blazers lost the third quarter by 22 points. They were outscored 39-17 in the third quarter, 39-17, and found themselves down 87 82 heading into the fourth, and the Warriors never gave back the lead. In the third quarter, the, the Golden State Warriors made 15 shots, 15 of their 23 shots. They had made just 18 total field goals in the opening two quarters. They hit 15 in the in the third alone. Portland, 7 of 24 in the third quarter, 1 of 10 from 3. Damian Lord, 2 of 7 in the, in the third quarter, and it's like, yeah, he struggled. He was the only Blazer to make a second field goal. No one else scored more, made more than one basket in the third quarter. It was a nightmare, and and the Golden State never let the Blazers get back in it late. In fact, uh, Chauncey Billups emptied his bench with three minutes and 23 seconds left, and we had true garbage time as the Warriors cr- cruised to a 123-105 win. That's your fastest recap in the West. Man. <laughs> I thought this was gonna be a different thing at halftime. I, I did. Um yeah, I I I didn't think the boys were gonna roll. Like I've I've watched them too many times this year to say like, yeah, they're gonna blow this team out. But they were playing well. Um the defense was fine and the offense was really good, and that's kind of their formula is like formidable defense, maybe get a little bit lucky because Clay Thompson starts to miss shots, and then um and your offense just keeps on rolling, but they, they could not sustain it. Damian Lower led the way, 25 points, 7 assists for the Blazers. Matisse Thibel, five threes, finished with 15 points. Jeremy Grant, tough shooting night, 5 of 17 from the floor, finished with 24, uh, but he did make 13 of 15 free throws, 10 from Cam Reddish, who I did not think had a very good game. Drew Eubanks had 5, 13 off the bench from Shane Sharp, including a wild, massive dunk over Draymond Green. Pretty much the only good thing that happened after halftime was a full-on Hammer from Shaden Sharp on the other side. Jordan Poole twenty nine, Clay Thompson twenty three and eight boards, twenty one for the big ragu Dante Divincenzo and sixteen off the bench for Jonathan Kaminga. Although a couple of those came late, but Kaminga had some big dunks to kind of seal the game in the fourth quarter. I they, they, like. I'm going to talk more about this game, but um, <laughs> my main reaction is that when I previewed this couplet, the Golden State Tuesday, New Orleans Wednesday, I was very cautious to say, t- to be optimistic about the Blazers' chances. I was, I was very intentionally saying the opportunity is there. If they win, this is what happens. If they win, this is what, you know, like it just kind of, I was trying to set the stage. I let myself get a little more optimistic after after halftime. I let myself kind of uh, lean into the dream a little bit uh, during the intermission. Say, you know what, the Warriors, the Warriors just threw a box and one on on Damian Lillard. They're throwing everything, the whole kitchen sink at him. And the Blazers still up seventeen, trying to Watford's ball, and Nazir Little's finally finding uh, a consistent groove. You know, Matisse Thibel's making threes. If uh, you know, they're 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 really you know this this really some of the new parts really work. I, I was starting to believe. I was starting to believe. It was such a bucket of cold water in the third quarter that um one like as I say always after these bad games if you listen to this particular show I appreciate you <laughs> I really do but it struck me that um the like we, we I want to dive in a little bit to, like specifically what went wrong because it is so easy in these deflating games to say yeah they stink or "Ah, was like I think there was some specific stuff that went wrong. I want, I want to talk about what the Warriors did to take the Blazers out of it and kind of um, discuss what changed in that third quarter, how they how they gave up a 39-17 quarter, how they scored just 40 points on 36% shooting after the halftime, Forty four of 20 from 3. Yikes! The Warriors shot 60, 67% fr- from the floor. You know, fifty-seven percent, fifty percent from three, seven to fourteen. It's like the Warriors who had eleven turnovers in that in that first half had just seven after halftime. They average about sixteen a game. Seven is like right at their average. Eleven is a bunch. Eleven is a bunch. And the Blazers took advantage. They couldn't take advantage after halftime. Let's talk about what went wrong in the third quarter. Stick with me because we'll, we'll, we can talk. We can we'll talk real basketball stuff. I promise. But first, let's talk about FanDuel. There's never been a better time to download the FanDuel. App. It's America's number one sports book, and it's because new customers getting no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's a bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to how many three-pointers your favorite player makes. Damon Lillard makes a bunch of threes. You can bet on it on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. All right. All right. So what went wrong after halftime? So many things, but let's like dive into the real basketball of it. The part of basketball I like is basketball. Let's dive into the sort of X's and O's and some mentality stuff I think went wrong with the Blazers. First, Damian Lowe scored 71 points. (laughs) His last time he played a basketball game. He had the Warriors' attention, and when he had 15 in the first quarter, they just decided it's not going to be him. They, um, you know, they were, obviously, he top their scouting report with this particular team. Still no Anthony Simon, still no use of Nurk. It's still, ju- still no justice Winslow. Um, I think they really miss Nurk and especially Anthony Simon's shot creation ability tonight. Um, Weirdly, this team misses Winslow a bunch because because he could settle down that second unit. Uh, the Blazers' broadcast was saying the Blazers really needed Ryan Archidiacono, which is a nice way of saying that Keon Johnson sucked in this game, and he did. But like, the Blazers just need someone else to dribble, be it um, Anthony Simons or Justice Winslow, someone off the bench to kind of like set them up. So they. They struggled. In fact, the Dameless minutes—if you're counting—these are the minutes that uh, th- the Blazers play when Dame is not on the court. It's not just as simple as plus minus. Although Dame was zero, had a plus minus of zero in a game that they lost by uh, in a game that they lost by 15. Um, so, uh, excuse me, a the game they lost by 18. That's good math for you. A the game they lost by 18, but he didn't play the final 3:23. He was out, so we don't count those minutes. So, for my money, Damian Lord, minus 14 and nine minutes and 27 seconds when he sat on the bench. They just got killed. They got killed in the Dameless Minutes but they also struggled with him on the court because the Warriors committed, committed very earnestly to saying anybody but Damian Lillard in, in the, they played a little bit of zone and they played in the second quarter, a little box and one, they just straight up zoned off, zoned everyone else up and played him in a, played him in a box and one and said, it's, you know, at times the box and one is like, uh, Damian Lillard has basically two people kind of in between him and the ball when he's away from the basket. Like it's, it's a lot. Um, and I thought that was, um, a nice little wrinkle, but again, the word like, the Blazers got kept it going in the second quarter because Jeremy Grant was good. You know he had a, he had a nice second quarter. He did not have a nice second half. Um, he he struggled mightily. Uh, he finished one of eight from three, and that's a big part of this. But then in the third quarter, when the words kind of really turned it on. Um, th- they they played a bunch of zone looks, not so much the box and one, but more of this like extended two guys at the top, two one two type of pressure. So two guys at the top of the zone, someone at the free throw line, right at the nail in the middle. That someone's Draymond Green, one of the great um, zony up defenders that the league has basically ever seen. He's not for he's not he's not a dominant one on one defender, but man is he a great help defender. One of the great help defenders um, that. Straight up, one of the great help defenders in the history of the sport. And then, you know, two guys behind them um, taking care of the corners and trying to, trying to uh, you know, shut down the wings a little bit. And you extend that zone, and there's there's space in the middle. But, like, it allows Golden State to not just put two on the ball and, like, show Dame two guys, but then have, uh, you know, two and a half because someone else helps. And I think that really took the Blazers out of what they wanted to do in the third quarter. Portland's bad on defense. So... Like the reason that 115 is their magic number here on this program is because they don't win games by playing defense. They've been—I mean—they're—they're they're bottom four in the league on defense. They're awful. They've been bad all year on that end. Basically, they had a brief stretch actually, uh, right around Christmas and the New Year, when they were like, "Oh, maybe, maybe they're good on this end." They're not. They've been bad all year. The numbers don't lie. They've been bad all year. You can watch them play. Uh, your eyeball, the stats, everything about it says they just struggle on defense. So. I think it's it's simple to say like they have to win games on offense and like I, I'm not I don't want to shoot them bail for the way they played on defense they were bad on defense you give up 67% shooting the second half you give up the type of paint points they did um, you know it's just it's the Warriors scored 22 points in the paint in the third quarter 11 of 13 in the paint the Blazers scored 17 total points the uh, Blazers played some zone. They played some man-to-man. The Warriors just back-cut them and split-cut them to death to make it tough on them and kept and and just got easy buckets. And you generate those easy buckets at the rim. You start to get a little bit worried. It loosens things up outside. Dante DiVincenzo gets looks. Jordan Poole gets looks. Klay Thompson gets looks because you are worried about... All of the space, these back cuts and split cuts, like split actions that they run, the Golden State runs so well, give up points at the rim. Plays are bad on defense, right? Like they're, I'm not um, totally absconding them of being bad on defense, but it is a reality. They've been bad on defense all year. The way they're going to win basketball games is be good on offense, and the offense failed them in that third quarter, and it failed them in a variety of ways. So the 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 zone is taking Dame out of it right like he's going to he's going to pass the ball he's going to give up the ball all of those things right you you want him to that that's that's the responsible thing to do the ball comes to you get rid of it get off it um go get you know get better shots but i think to my, they miss some shots early in the third quarter that they like that they just that they can make but then they got tight and they got anxious and they got they just took bad shots and then it was it's not as simple it would be it would be unfair to say that like this is a make or miss league. it is right like and the Blazers shot terribly in the second half after they were so darn good in that first half you, you shoot you know you shoot forty percent in the second half you make four of twenty three pointers like you're gonna lose just because that's who you are but like it would be unfair to say like the that the game. It would be unfair to just say their defense is bad and let it go. But to some extent, the defense is just like a reality. But I think it's unfair to what Golden State did to them and how the Blazers reacted to say, yeah, you know, they just missed shots. Early on in the second half, yes, I do think they missed shots. Then they got super anxious. They started taking terrible shots, rushed shots, forced shots, just playing bad offense against a team determined to to get the ball out of Damian Lillard's hands. This is one of the things I talked about heading into the second half of the season is what I want to see is Jeremy Grant as your number two option. Can he be that guy? And tonight against a team that was determined to make it anyone but Dame Jeremy Grant in that decisive third quarter goes one of five over two from three. He was, he struggled. They need him. He's not like going to run a bunch of pick and rolls and bring the ball to the floor. He's not a natural passer. You like don't kind of want him to be in that initiator role because he will initiate for himself to get a jump shot. Um, so like, but you, but Jeremy Grant's got to be an outlet. He's got to be someone who can make shots. He's got to be someone who can scare you and get to the rim. You know, he did, he, he, he's, he's aggressive and he does a good job of getting fouled, but he's got to score early in the year. He was really, 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 really shooting. He has not been that, he has not been that sort of elite, like one of the best shooters in the league recently. I mean, some of that's just like progression. but this was the test for him as they needed someone else to be like sh- as shorthanded as they were. The freaking Warriors are missing Steph Curry and, and Andrew Wiggins, right? Like, um, t- to the, you know, their best two players in the NBA Finals last season. I was, I, I think the Warriors are pretty shorthanded as well. So they needed Grant to be better, and he wasn't. And they got so anxious and took terrible shots, including one in the fourth quarter where they come out of a timeout, and the play is for Cam Reddish to initiate, and they're running like a horns action where Dame's going to set a screen, and the, the play, like... I don't know for sure, but I've watched the Blazers enough to know that Dame's going to set a screen and he's going to leak out to the other side and you're going to get Dame. They want him on the wing, empty corner with a chance to go to work. And instead Cam Reddish dribbles across half court and takes a pull-up three-pointer with like 17 on the clock that he, um, if it goes in, it's a terrible shot. And instead he missed it like terribly, terribly Um, just like, and, and that was emblematic of how the Blazers played is like, The offense for Golden State starts to get rolling. Blazers are worried. We can't get stops anymore. Okay, start to play anxious. They're really taking the ball out of Dame's hands. we got to get shots. And instead of generating good looks after about three, four minutes into that third quarter, they stop generating good looks. They start taking stupid shots. And that Cam Reddish shot is just, like, emblematic of them taking stupid shots. Um, Also, like, (laughs) there's no world... I know it came after a timeout, but there's no world where John Z. Billups says, okay, Cam, just dribble up and shoot it after six seconds. Like, they were running a play, and Cam broke it off. This is why, like, shot selection is not the coach's thing. It's a player's thing. And the play- and I think the Blazers got stupid. They started playing stupid on offense. They they started to feel the game get away from them, and they started playing desperate when they needed to play smart. At that point, it's still like a single-digit game. If they played a couple good possessions, but they couldn't—they were— they were guarding Dame when they were guarding him man to man, they were top locking him, which is like they're between him and standing between him and half court, so he can't come up towards the ball. When they're playing zone, they're showing two at him. When they're when uh when he's when they're playing man and they're and he's on the ball and they can't top lock him, they're just straight up trapping him and getting off the ball. The Blazers, you know, they they've for years they've needed some and some tricks to get to score better when Dame gets trapped. I, I think for the most part this year, they've developed some of those tricks because Jeremy Grant and Anthony Simons are better offensive options like as a as a duo and Trina Watford's been better in the middle of, of those um, of those traps than they've had in the past. But tonight wasn't one of those nights. It was not one of those nights and they were a mess because of it. Here's the thing. This is a duly frustrating game because the we I talked about it in the previous episode it's like what an opportunity what an opportunity it was right there for him OKC goes uh host the Sacramento Kings no SGA in that game Oklahoma City loses The Mavericks lose at home to the Pacers. The Jazz lose at home to the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, The Clippers and T-Wolves are going to play each other. Someone there who's going to be right in the Blazers sort of mix loses. You win this game, you're just like, boy, you are going to leapfrog the Warriors and all of these other teams just bungled games for you. It's a blown opportunity, but like like I said, all these teams bungle games for you. Like as 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 sort of messy as it it is for the Blazers, and as like as kind of like sobering as this game was, the math's still the math. (laughs) They're kind of in the mix for the play in, regardless, just because the rest of the West is also pretty doo doo. Um, I don't know if that's like is that a silver lining or is that just like the sort of crappy reality of being in the bottom this middle to not the bottom tier of the West, the bottom tier of the West is wild. But like the, the, this middle tier of the Western conference, the lower middle third of the West is like, nobody's running away with it. The Blazers are still going to have a chance. If they want to play postseason basketball, you just kind of, I don't know, split the rest of your games and finish something with like 39 wins. And you might end up right there in the mix as the ninth or 10th seed in the West. That's um, it. It really will get you there. If you win more than half your games, looking at the rest of the West, it's, you know, that 42, 43 win mark is going to be, is a lot more comfortable. It's going to be the difference between chilling and watching the play in versus playing two play-in games as the 10 seed, and the Blazers miss an opportunity tonight. Here's the good news, I guess, is they have an opportunity tomorrow when they play the Pelicans. It's going to be the first time that Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum have played against each other. CJ uh returns to Portland, but this time with Damian Lillard in the lineup, most likely. I haven't seen an injury report to suggest otherwise for either of them. So let's talk about that, and let's talk about the beauty of change of scenery in the third segment to close the show. Join me there, won't you? Still a pass, first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. A fun little thing has um, has happened in New York City. Josh Hart has found himself. Former Blazer, like, beloved Blazer, honestly. Josh Hart was here for two halves of two seasons, um, but one of the most, just just a dude that's easy to root for. But it didn't work out here for the Blazers. It just they they couldn't find a role this season that fit him. Um some of that I put on the coaching staff, some of that I put on just the roster just wasn't going to ever be that way for him. If you're committed to Damian Lord and Anthony Simons, that's how it's gonna be. Um if you don't have other wings that you trust, a la Nazir Little, who's still not playing very much. Uh like Josh Hart was always going to be pigeonholed into a spot that it wasn't going to work out for him here in Portland, and that's kind of how it was. It's a bummer because he was very, very easy to root for and the the type of dude that helps every team. He joined the New York Knicks, and boy is he helping them. They are 6-0 since Josh Hart joined the New York Knickerbockers, and he's 12 of 19 from 3 in a Knicks uniform. From December 30th to February 6th, Josh Hart made 11 three pointers for the Portland Trailblazers. more than a month you have to go back to the to the previous calendar year the previous calendar year 11 threes from December 30th to February 6th. in fact uh, excuse me 12 threes from uh, from January on he made he, he made 11 you have to go back to December 31st to get his 12th three pointer in those games from December 30th to January to February 6th excuse me when he was traded, Josh Hart was 12 of 49 from three to end his Blazers career. Oof. Uh, for those of you scoring at home, that is under 25%. Yikes. But, and a lot of it has been made of, of Josh, was, he's perfect Nick, perfect tips guy, all these things, and, and I'm rooting for Josh Hart. Straight up, rooting for him. Rooting for him. Easy to root for, I'm rooting for him. But that ain't the only dude who changed jerseys and learned how to shoot. Matisse Theibel, baby! The the proof is right there beyond the arc. Matisse Theibel, 5 of 6 from 3 tonight, tied his career high for made threes in a game. He had made four threes in his Blazers debut, which at the time was his season high in either a Sixers or a Blazers uniform. In just two games, that's made nine three-pointers. And overall, in five games with the Portland Trail Blazers... Matisse Theibel, 12 of 22 from three-point range. He finished from December 16th to February 8th with the Philadelphia 76ers. He made 12 of 33 three-pointers. You have to go back even two weeks beyond Josh Hart to find the 12th made three for Ortiz. uh Teese Th- 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 was just, he didn't have a role like Josh Hart had, um, but There is real beauty in finding a place where it works for you. And it is, I I say this to say, it's an inexact science. Why does Josh Hart make more three-pointers when he wears a Nick uniform? I don't know. Why does Matisse Thibel make more three-pointers when he wears a Blazer uniform? Certainly some of it is empowerment, right? You're just like, hey, shoot the ball, baby. You got the green light. But having the green light and making more than half of your threes are very different things. There is, um, you know, there's an ease with knowing that you won't get in trouble for shooting the ball, but there also is just a magic of where you fit and where you feel better and where it works. So, you know, the national media is going to talk about Josh Hart and all those things. Cause the Knicks are the New York Knicks and they're also like a good basketball team and the Blazers are not, but like, don't forget Matisse lab will change jerseys and learned how to shoot too. Um, you know, he's shooting 35% from three this year. It's not like he's awful. He's like below league average. I mean, no, he's not awful. Um, he's just as a low volume guy and with the Blazers, he's starting to find a little bit of volume. He's shooting more than four a game. Um, First quarter, hit two threes, just parked in the corner. They're not giving, they're not giving him a bunch of respect. But if you're going to get clean catch and shoot threes in the corner, shoot them and make them. That's what Mathrice, as they were calling him on the broadcast. I think unintentionally they called him Mathris uh, Thiebel, but then they stuck with it. Shout out to Lamar and Kevin, too a joy to listen to, even when the Blazers stank, and they certainly stunk tonight. I'm excited to watch uh, Wednesday's game because it is fun to it'll be fun to watch what a Damian Lillard versus CJ McCollum matchup looks like. The Pelicans are a mess. They are scuffling as I mentioned yesterday. They've lost four straight including including a home loss to the Orlando Magic. They're beat up as heck. Um, no Jose Alvarado, no Larry Nance, no um, know Zion Williamson they are you know uh, CJ's been playing through a thumb injury they're just they're they've lost 20 of their last 24 games but they're got a day off they're rested they're incredibly desperate these are two teams that want to be in the postseason playing for their postseason lives and it's two dudes who have a close relationship who spent the first years of their career growing into NBA stars um, one of them a superstar one of the 75 best players of all time and one of them just like a darn solid NBA player for, he's going to play 15 years in the league and score 20 points for a decade. CJ McCollum is very good. Um, there is, if, if there was a hall of very good, you see, CJ would be right there in it. Um, he, he's been solid as heck for a long time. It'll be fascinating to see them play against each other. I don't expect it to get like chippy or super physical. I don't expect them to, either of them to spend a ton of time guarding one another. So we're not going to see like it happen. but there are all going to be moments when they're matched up on the wing, like they were matched up on the wing so many times in the Portland practice facility and in off-season gyms all over this globe going at it going at it and and I'm excited to watch it Um, you know it won't be the same when CJ came back and it was his first game back you know it was um, he he got a huge ovation and he talks about how strange it was it's always weird to go back but there's nothing like the first time and it won't be like that but I think there will be a strangeness a uniqueness to the Dame versus CJ pairing um, or matchup rather that will be um, it'll be just intriguing super intriguing and if nothing else these are two teams that desperately desperately need a win playing against each other and Portland coming off a pretty gross basketball game in which they got absolutely punked after halftime. <laughs> I can't stress it enough how badly they got punked after halftime 75 to 40 in the second half. They got to flush that and get right against a Pelicans team that's scuffling. Um, I don't, straight up, I don't think at any point this year I'm going to like uh, panic about this team. If you've been listening closely to the podcast, I kind of bailed on them in January as saying, well, maybe they'll do it. Like, I just kind of think they haven't been good for, they haven't been good since December. So, um, I'm not really, like, they lose to the Pelicans. I'm not going to freak out. This is not what I'm going to do on the podcast. I'm not going to freak out. It, It is what it is. They've been kind of bad for a long time. They got a bunch of injuries. Um, they're one of the truly terrible defensive teams in the league. And if you are that, you have a chance to lose every stinking night. But what I'm going to try to do is appreciate the little stuff. Appreciate the ways that teams guard Damien Lord with aggressive top locking, zones that send two and two and a half guys at him, boxes and ones, traps off double teams. I'm gonna appreciate the subtleties of basketball. I'm gonna to try to hold on to my joy and 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 appreciate the things I love about the NBA. I'm going to overcome the Blazers being a bummer, and I invite you to join me on that journey to overcome. If you made it this far in the podcast, you're doing a great job. So Pelicans game, another opportunity. If that thing goes sour, don't come here for rage. Come here for something short of hope, but some sort of like realism and and just like, we're going to talk hoops, we're going to keep it... um, We're going to keep the outrage out of it because, quite frankly... When I look on the internet to see what fans are talking about about the Blazers, it is too much outrage, and to me it's overwhelming. What I, what I, I'm a I'm a pro, this is a pro-joy podcast, but mostly it's just like a pro-rational podcast. The Blazers haven't been good in so long. How can you be mad that they're bad now? They've been bad all year, Um, y'all. Obviously, it's like the momentum and reality of being like a wasted season. I totally get it. I'm not dismissing the frustration. What I'm saying is I am going to try my best to keep it, keep it outside of the panic and just keep it as fun and as light as we can because y'all it's getting a little dark out there so come back join me we'll find the lights tell your friends to do the same i appreciate you listening i'll talk to you soon